0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamer Succeed podcast. Uh, You guys get ready, because if you do not know our next guest yet, I promise you are in for a real treat. He has been a tremendous blessing in my life, and I am honored that he is making the time. He's extremely busy to sit down with us, and it just comes from his giving heart. So I want to introduce you or reintroduce you to coach Khan Apostolopoulos and he is a performance and change management expert he is a speaker a coach and the founder and ceo of fresh biz solutions where he is dedicated to helping organizations navigate and manage change He is the co-author of Seven Keys of Navigating a Crisis, which we are going to get into today. Uh, It's an incredible book. And in addition to his long list of professional accolades, he's just an amazing human being. He is the personification of giving and service. And I just know that you are going to enjoy this time. So welcome, Coach Khan. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Uh, it's a true honor Berta, and a pleasure to be here with you. Thank Wonderful. you so much.
0: Wonderful. I am so excited. So how how are you? How's the family? I'm
1: doing. Everybody's doing well. We're blessed from that perspective. We are uh, in good spirits, we are in good physical condition and heart. We are together and that's the most important thing.
0: Absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I we were just talking before we, we jumped on about your daughter's graduation, which I think so many people were not able to celebrate. And how did, how did that feel to be able, even given the circumstances, to be able to really honor them and those accomplishments?
1: Well, I have to admit, it was truly a blessing. As much as... Um... We underplayed it, I think, in the fear that it would never happen. We said, oh, okay, it's not a big deal. But I think under the circumstances, it was a much bigger deal than I think we thought. Yes. Every every person, um, every human being deserves to be recognized when they accomplish a milestone, when they have success. Every little battle matters. And I think we don't celebrate those things enough. So it was a true blessing to be able to see Mm -hmm. her walk, receive her certificate uh, amongst her friends, amongst her peers, and be acknowledged for the great work that she's done.
0: I love that. I love that, and I'm so happy that they did make the concessions and make sure that they were able to do that because I know in a lot of circumstances they they could just not make those accommodations. So Coach Khan, I know that you are extremely dedicated to your family, uh, to your children, and you spend a great deal of time mentoring and breathing life into the dreams of your children and the children that you coach. and we can talk a little bit about that. But what are you telling our young ones today? that they're not hearing anywhere else?
1: Well, the first and foremost, the most important thing is to tell them that it's gonna be okay. Everything will be okay. We as people, we as a, as, as a human race, as, as a culture, uh, we have overcome adversity in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many of them in their young lives, this seems like an overwhelming thing. A few months in a young person's life seems like a very long time. Yes. For those of us that have been around a little bit longer, we realize it goes by as a blink. <laughs> So the first thing and most important thing is for them to be patient, to understand that this is not going to last forever, that we will come back and we will come back stronger from this. That's Absolutely. the first lesson that they need to learn.
0: Absolutely. And, I, and I, I love that. And I love that you're, like I said, breathing life into that space because I think right now for maybe the first time, we're going through something on, on a global scale, at least in our lifetimes. and 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 the kids are dealing with, parents, grandparents, people around them, even their school that, that they're maybe not attending right now, but there's so much uncertainty everywhere. Uh, it's uncertainty that it's almost like, like, who do you go to? So I, I love that. And, and I believe that what you just said, we need to let them know that this too shall pass and we will be on the other side of this.
1: And it's important, I think, and we talk about this in the book, and I know we'll get into the details mm-hmm, shortly, but mm-hmm. one of the first points that I'm able to pull from, from what we've shared in our book with the audience is that there is a big difference between danger and fear. And these are things that we communicate, not just to our young people, but to everybody. In many cases, the danger that we face today, whether it's COVID, whether it's um, the potential of the financial crisis, Mm -hmm. whether it's the the mental health issues that we're dealing with right now that are compounding and probably more than 800% up, since before COVID, yeah. and now even with the the, the racial uh, the, and, and the social unrest that we're experiencing right now, the call out for justice, and where you are right now, I mean, you you just dodged a bullet with the hurricanes. We are yeah. entering into a season where natural disasters are playing into this. Mm-hmm. So, we need to understand that danger is very real. Danger is something that we need to address. Even with our youngest people, we need to make sure if, that, if the burner is on and it's hot, you need to tell them, don't put your hand there. That's going to exactly. get, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. But living in fear is not a good thing. That's very limiting in our ability to function. It's not good for us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, in any sort of way. So we need to distinguish the two. Do something about the danger, but don't allow fear to paralyze you.
0: And, and, and I love that. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And and let's talk a bit about the book, Coach Com, because uh, again, the book is Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis. I am a huge fan, started ordering copies for my clients and my friends, and I'm recommending it to everyone that I know because it's so relevant and timeless. At the same time, I don't know how you did that. And, and I don't know that that was the intention. I know perhaps your intention based on what I read was just to serve, let's put something out there that people can can just sort of settle down a bit. So why did you write this book?
1: Well, in all honesty, the the short answer to that is because we wanted to serve and help, like you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, The longer answer is that uh, my co-author and very, very dear friend, almost like a brother, Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Ilya Gurguris, who wrote it, we wrote it together, um, came to me shortly after, a day or two after, we got the news that we needed to lock everything down. the growing fears over the previous weeks had reached us and everything and here in our state in colorado where we live the decision came out in mid-march that everything was shutting down Mm -hmm. it was march 13th i believe Mm -hmm. a few days later after we had recovered from our initial shock he came to me and says you know we need to write a book about this now normally we joke about it because when two greeks get together normally they open a restaurant in this (laughs) case we decided we decided that we couldn't feed enough people, so right. we would leave that to, to, to Chef Andres and some of the others. But we figured that, you know what, let's help people from what our God-given gifts are. And from our experience, we have experienced both in change management, from my perspective, in wellness and psychology, from Dr. Ilya's perspective. Both of us have dealt with crises in the past on a personal level and professional level. Mm-hmm. And we thought that Everybody's getting more than a healthy dose of statistics and information and the scientific things that were paralyzing people and and putting us all into a panic, but nobody was addressing that very basic need of mental and emotional health. Um, It became very clear to us that we needed to do something as soon as possible. So we sat down, we put our heads together, we put our experience together for many years, and we... Basically, we're able to publish the book at the beginning of May. Now, that's, that's basically six weeks out.
0: That's amazing. So
1: in a matter of six weeks, we were able to start and publish the book. <laughs> First with the Kindle, the ebook, and then with the paperback shortly after that. It's written in a very easy-to-consume way. It's <laughs> not a long book, but it's a book full, what I believe, of practical advice to help people. Absolutely. Um, and it's organized in a way that provides seven keys or seven ideas that we need to embrace in order for us to emotionally deal with not just the pandemic that we're dealing with right now, Berta, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, you mentioned that this is something that's timeless, or as we call it, evergreen, mm-hmm. in the sense that we will always have crises in our lives. Right, right. Um, unfortunately, now they're compounding. However, yeah. What is today a global pandemic, tomorrow might be the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. Mm. These are crises for us. If it rocks my world, it's a crisis to me. Absolutely. And from that perspective, people need guidance. They need practical advice to be able to do that. They don't need another academic book. They don't need somebody talking over their heads and pounding statistics. They need somebody to tell them it's going to be okay. And here is three or four or five or seven things that you can do to make your life better.
0: Yes, and and one of the things that I love, and and you mentioned, you touched on a little bit, Coach Khan, the 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 practical ease of the book, and how at the end of every chapter you give those 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 steps, those things that we need to be paying attention to, so that we can really put it into action because we can read all we want. And I'm an avid reader and I'm a, I'm a big right. fan and I recommend it and, and make sure that everybody is out there reading and feeding their mind with as much positivity as they can. But at the same time, sometimes you're just reading for the sake of reading and you give us right. some really tangible and practical things that we can be applying and and putting right. the application into, into what we're learning.
1: And that's what we felt was important. Again, coming from experience, I do... I do many workshops a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And with all of my clients, with everything that we do from that perspective, I tell people, I don't do training for training's sake. I don't go out and just speak for that piece. That's important. But knowledge without application is just information. Mm -hmm. And what we try to do at the end of each chapter is provide, summarize, if you will, the key points from each chapter and say, okay, here are some points for you to ponder. Here's a summary, two, three points that I want you to take away from this chapter. Here are some questions to consider. Ask yourself these questions. Reflect on that. And then ultimately, here are some actions that you can take, whether it's making some notes, reflecting, writing down your ideas, your emotions, or simply doing something, because that's a very empowering feeling, especially in times of uncertainty.
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I and, and I think it's it's really equipping people with the tools. And 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 yep. in in there's there's a portion in the book, and and, and again, the book I, I just can't recommend it enough because I think it's 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 just necessary for everyone to have access to it. Uh, that that importance of emotional preparedness. What are you seeing out there as far as a shift? in what is important now to maybe organizations that you work with when you said you're doing all these trainings, um, that, that emotional prepared piece, do you see that there's maybe a shift now paying more attention?
1: There is. I think that, um, many individuals, families, organizations, teams thought Mm -hmm. they were prepared. Um, Mike Tyson famously said at some point, everybody's got a plan until they get smacked in the face. And once you realize that, you know, this has hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember the mad dash to get to the supermarket and the empty racks up on the on on in the stores and mm-hmm. everybody fighting over toilet paper. Yes. How prepared are we, seriously? If we're worried about toilet paper,
0: yeah.
1: I mean that was a wake up call for all of us. Yes. Now on an emotional side, from an emotional standpoint, mm-hmm. again I liken it to a situation. If I'm living in, in in South Florida and I'm not prepared for the hurricane season, whose fault is that?
0: Exactly. Exactly, exactly.
1: So emotionally then, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't Mm -hmm. predict the future. But what I can predict is that something will happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the part where emotionally, I need to embrace that. If we can't have everything stay the same, if change is is inevitable, we have to get better at managing that change and managing our reaction to change. Now, when I I do coaching, executive coaching, or I do workshops, Berta, I explain Mm -hmm. to people our ability inside of us to be able to cope with change in our lives is Mm -hmm. like a sponge. So in many ways that sponge is there to absorb that change. So it's like pouring water on that sponge. Mm -hmm. Now, some of us that have lived through different things or based on our personality and stuff might have a little bit bigger sponge because we're more adaptable to that change. Mm -hmm. Some people have less so, but regardless of that, if I keep pouring water on that sponge at some point, what's going to happen? It's going to get saturated. Saturated, absolutely. And then it won't be able to hold in any more of that water. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of what we're facing right now. These compounding crises, even for the best, for those of us that have been able to deal with change in the past, this has been very devastating emotionally. So the keys that we lay out in the book are a roadmap, essentially, for us to be able to navigate from that point where we are overwhelmed emotionally. Mm-hmm. To find our path, not just to navigate out of away from danger, but to go beyond that and actually thrive, and allow our sponge to grow and become more adept at handling not just this crisis, but the next one, and the next one, and the next one.
0: Absolutely, and that's what I love about those tools, Coach Con, and I'm so happy that you said that because it really is. Uh, it's it's not just surviving this; it's it's mm-hmm. it's developing ourselves in a way that we can. Thrive through this and, and thrive through everything else that, that comes your way. So Coach Khan, what do you find yourself telling your, your coaching clients or the audiences when you speak that they need to? And if you can give me two or three for each, what they really need mm-hmm. to start doing or what they really need to stop doing in this new reality, new now, whatever people are calling it.
1: Well, the best way for me to explain that, and I'll start with the broad statement that I make to people so they Mm -hmm. can understand this transitional period that we're facing right Mm -hmm. now, whether it's a person that I'm coaching on an individual level, an executive, for example, or a team of people within an organization, Mm -hmm. um, or even a friend or to myself, I remind all of us that transitions have a beginning, a middle, and an end. However, unlike what most people think, it's the ending that comes first, because it's the ending of the old way of doing things we are Mm -hmm. sitting here and lamenting and grieving over the loss of certain things that we're feeling right now so we're essentially experiencing the symptoms of grief Mm -hmm. denial anger depression all of those things that go with this until we get to acceptance where we can Mm -hmm. move from there it is we cannot overestimate how much we need to understand that because that's part of why people are feeling and expressing these kind of emotions. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the way that they react to things, why they overeat or they, they they start drinking more or they start doing drugs or they get into all these other habits because they're trying to cope with their grief. But when you think about it, Berta, how many of us were... were, were are missing the two hour commutes or the long hours in the office away from our family and stuff (laughs) like that. We forget that. But once we get to that point of acceptance and saying, you know what, my life's different. Yes. But it might be different in some better ways. Mm -hmm. And then we leave that ending point where we leave the old normal behind Mm -hmm. and we get into this in between stage where we're finding ourselves now. Now, normally human beings are not in a position to deal with ambiguity and this kind of unrest for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Normally, even if a hurricane hits, it doesn't last for months. Right. It lasts for a day, two days, three days, the storm. And then we're p- past that and we start rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with a situation where we are in transit in this in-between stage for a very long time. And our nature, our emotional state is not usually able to, to deal with that. Now, the way to counteract that is to accept the ambiguity. It's to accept the fact that, you know what? It's okay. Okay. It's okay that we don't know what's up and down. It's almost like the first time you jump off that cliff into the water when you're a kid and for, it feels like forever you're in the air and you're flying and your arms and legs are up in the air and all that, but it's so exhilarating yes. at the same time. If we give ourselves permission to be imperfect, to say, you know what, I may not have all the answers right now, but you know what, it's okay. I'm going to take a few risks. I'm going to try something different. This is an opportunity for me to do things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, Berta, and I'm going to digress for a second, if I may.
0: Please, please. I
1: worked for, uh, for an organization that was experimenting with remote working, right? With people in call centers working remotely. Now, this was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, two of the main ingredients that were missing at that time to allow us to get this thing done because the numbers were there. I mean, financially, it made sense for the company. And in many ways, we had a lot of people that wanted to do that, to work Mm -hmm. remotely. Mm -hmm. But one ended up happening. There were two things that were missing. One was trust from management. And the second one was the technology. Now, in this situation right now, companies that said, well, I don't know if you can work from home on Tuesday afternoon because I don't trust you, all of a sudden are sending everybody home and say, for the next few months, you go home because I don't have a choice. We still have to work and you can go home and work. Whether you have the equipment or not, do the best you can. So all of a sudden, they were forced to trust their workforce. And you know what happened? People not just produced, they overproduced. I know clients that had to call a lot of their employees, especially the ones that didn't have kids and were working all these crazy hours Mm -hmm. and said, slow down, you're going to burn yourself out. Yes. So we've dealt with that. And all of a sudden now they're forced to trust and they're acknowledging that the workforce can do it that way. Mm -hmm. The second thing, the technology piece of that, you and I are now in opposite ends of the country. Mm -hmm. And we are having a conversation where I can see you smile and you can see me talk. And we are exchanging. We are as close as we could be as if we're in a room.
0: Absolutely. So
1: now those two obstacles are gone. And now in this in-between stage, we find that there are options for us to go forward. Mm -hmm. So experiment. Give yourself permission to be imperfect and allow yourself to enjoy this ride. Because at some point, we're going to land on the other side. And that other side now, it becomes the new beginning. It -hmm. becomes the next normal. Not the new normal, but the next normal. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be one after that and one after that and one after that. In Greece, I don't know if Dr. Ilya mentioned this to you, we have a saying that there is nothing more permanent than the temporary. And we are a culture that's been around for more than 4,000 years.
0: Wow. So
1: trust me, when we say, you know, everything is temporary until the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, we realize that that change is inevitable. We will never step into the same stream twice. That's it. Because we have changed and so has the water.
0: Right, right. That's beautiful. I, I love that, Coach Khan. And I really appreciate that. And, and, and especially when you're talking about what are we doing with this time? And I, and I think Mm. I, and I, I tend to say, especially at the beginning and I was on a lot of conversations, I got in full productivity mode, you know, for us, maybe it's not that different. Our our work life didn't change that much because we're used to the flexibility. You know, I'm, I work from home. I have my office, but we're flexible with our hours. We schedule when we schedule. And I, Anybody that looks at me might say, well, you're a workaholic. And I say, no, I, I love what I do. So I can do it all day. And, right. but, but I was noticing as I was having these conversations, much, many more conversations than I typically did with, with new connections is that there was not a lot of gray. It was, it was sort of people were on, on either side of the spectrum, either they were very, very fearful, or they were totally optimistic and, and looking at this as an opportunity to spend more time with their family, to, to get things done. They're not wasting time in traffic. They're looking at the environment. And listen, we can see the bottom of the bay in Miami. And we haven't seen that in 40 years yeah. because of the, yeah. the footprint. But one of the things I noticed, Coach Khan, is that those people that were on the optimistic side of the spectrum mm-hmm. put themselves in full-blown service mode they were out there volunteering. They were out there giving their expertise and sharing their expertise freely for those who might help, those who might have more time to sit down in a webinar, to sit down in front of a, and just have a conversation of how can I help you? And I I realized that those people were navigating, for lack of a better word, through what was happening and even through the uncertainty, just much more blissfully, than those who were not. Did you, did you notice that?
1: Yes, and, and, and it's important to also distinguish that it's not a, um, an exclusive reaction. Right. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Typically, when we deal with major change that's thrust upon us, especially change that we're not driving, but we're on the receiving end of, like a pandemic, like a, a crisis like this, we typically see four different reactions, four different modes, if you will, of reaction to change. Um, so in a crisis, I might react, for example, as a victim, I might feel like, you know what, all of a sudden my best laid plans, my summer vacation, I was going to do this. You may have had speaking engagements or Mm -hmm. plans to go visit clients somewhere else. All of a sudden that's gone. Everything is shut down and it's easy for us to feel like a victim. Why is this happening to me? Because the first reaction is my world just got rocked. Right. That's what happened to us when everything shut down all of a sudden our speaking engagements and our clients said you know what i think we're going to put a hold on everything Mm -hmm. because we can't get to anybody so all of a sudden it's easy to feel like a victim and feel like poor me the second reaction that we see is that a lot of times people react as a critic because they don't believe what's going to be happening that might benefit them for example and they look at it and say you know what Um, no matter what anybody says, well, that's a stupid idea. That's the worst thing I've heard. That's never going to work. So somebody says, you know what? We have to social distance. We have to wear masks whenever we're outside. They look at him and go, well, that's silly. Okay, well, don't wear a mask. What, what are you trying to kill me? And now all of a sudden, everybody's reacting like a critic. Mm -hmm. The third reaction that we see is a little bit more passive, if you will. And we see people becoming bystanders. And what that means is that they, they, they allow the fear to kind of paralyze them. They look at it and say, you know what? I don't know what to do. I'm unsure of myself. I think I'm going to let Berta go out first and figure that out. And then I'll see what Shira does or how she reacts. And then, and then I'll, I'll do it from there. Mm-hmm. Now what these three things have in common is that they're not very productive reactions. They're not very helpful, mm-hmm. but they are normal. And any given time, we may feel like a victim, like a critic, like a bystander at times. But the fourth reaction that we see, and the healthiest one, is that of a navigator. That's part of the reason why we named the book that way. Mm -hmm. Because a navigator may not know exactly what's happening or all the answers, but they can recognize the signs. They have a certain thought process that allows them to get beyond this, to navigate away from the danger into a better place, into calmer seas. Mm -hmm. I remember... During my time when I worked in in the Caribbean on seas coming out of Miami, Mm -hmm. I remember that many times we would deal with hurricane season. The captain would never go into the storm like that. Mm -hmm. He would recognize the signs and navigate around it to safety. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what we have to do in our lives, navigate around the crisis and find the path that works best. And helping others, taking charge of that is one of the ways that we do it. It's one of the keys that we have. And we call it kindness. And it's the seventh key that we have in there. Yes.
0: And I love that. That's, that's my favorite key of all. And, and, but, but something you said, Coach Khan is so important because I think that, and again, it's, it's a lot of conversations, a lot of what, what we're seeing out there. And I know you're seeing it as well is, is that, that putting yourself, it's that in the intentionality of becoming that navigator. Okay. I'm going to take the wheel. I'm going to stop being subject to. And and I'm going to see what I can do. And, and, and usually that navigation starts to flow in the direction of kindness, in the direction of service, because it's what we can do. Maybe we can't do much right. of anything else, but that we can right. do.
1: But let's not underestimate one thing. For example, we, we, we call kindness the seventh key. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. If I start at the end, if I look at the end of that trail, the first key of all that opens up things for us is, first of all, self-care, Berta. Mm-hmm. As a, a as leaders, many times we are conditioned to constantly look outwards and see who needs help for us to reach out. Yeah. Uh, but again, if I if I think of my ancestors, we used to say you cannot give from what you which you don't have. You cannot yeah. offer help to somebody when you don't have anything inside left to offer them. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we have to do is, like the flight attendants used to say, put your mask on first before you help somebody else. You can't reach out and pick somebody up if you're not standing on solid ground yourself. If you are shaky on your feet, how are you going to help somebody else? Mm. How am I going to swim out if somebody's drowning and try to get them if I can't swim, if I'm too too tired? So these are the things that we need to look at first and foremost and understand, am I okay? We have in the book, for example, a very simple practical assessment, a health assessment that looks at all of those four main pillars that we talked about. Mm -hmm. How are you doing physically? How are you doing emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually Mm -hmm. at this moment? And this is an assessment that you can do at any given time throughout the book of beyond. Grab it and say, I'm feeling a little weird. What's going on? And check yourself. And you can assess from that perspective where you need to focus more in the moment. And then we lay it out throughout the books, throughout the remaining keys about how to get to that point and be able to do that. So self-care is the first one. We, nev- we, we see this first and foremost in our, in our healthcare workforce, in the people that are involved in the front lines of this crisis, yeah. the healthcare workers themselves, the doctors, the nurses, the people that staff the desks to help people, the people that drive the ambulances, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. All of these people, even the people that are stocking the shelves and doing all the essential work that keeps us going. These are people that are going to need our help tomorrow because you know what? They've put their literally their lives on the line for us
0: Absolutely. to help us out. Absolutely. So
1: it starts with self-care from that piece.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And essentially, then we go into awareness. Now, you, are I know, are somebody who's very conscious in your living and how you approach things. And that's a good reminder for all of us that we should be aware. When we wrote the book, Dr. Ilya came to me in a moment of awareness and said, I've heard the voice inside me say, we need to write a book. So it's one of those areas where you need to sometimes quiet the outside noise and allow that inner voice to speak. Call it your spirit, call it your essence, call it the universe, whatever you want to call it, depending on your beliefs. Mm-hmm. But understand that every time you ignore that voice, it's probably not a good thing.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's important for us to be aware. But then the third key becomes flexibility. Now, flexibility, like we've mentioned so far in our discussion, is so critical at a time like this. When you're in that in-between stage, like I said, of falling, free falling down, you have to allow yourself to be flexible. You have to allow yourself to understand when you're a victim, when you're a critic or a bystander or a navigator, Mm -hmm. because you can be all of those things yourself. You can be all of those things in a matter of minutes or hours or days. Mm -hmm. We go back and forth. Just because I'm a navigator in the moment and I'm reaching out to somebody else to help them, it doesn't mean that when I get tired and drained that I'm not going to become a critic or feel sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is to stay flexible enough to give yourself what you need through self-care and awareness to then bounce back and become that navigator. Now, for example, when we coach, and you know this as, 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 a superior coach yourself, Berta, mm-hmm. you know that when you're working with a lot of clients, especially leaders, senior leaders, we asked the simple question. We said, okay, if you were to be a big tree, if you were to see yourself as a tree, would you see yourself as an Oak tree or a Palm tree? And most of them would tend to gravitate towards saying, I would rather be an oak tree because it's big, it's immovable, it's strong, it's there. What they don't realize is that even the biggest and strongest oak tree in the middle of a storm when the rain is pouring down and it's saturating the ground and the wind is tearing through its branches and breaking them apart. The fact that it's immovable, the fact that it's inflexible is its downfall. So for a lot of organizations, when you think about ones that are not flexible right now, are struggling because they cannot adapt. It's not the strong that will survive these crises. It's the flexible. You see it in South Florida where you are. How many times have you seen the palm trees go all the way practically down to the ground when the hurricane winds are coming at them? Yeah. They, they, they turn, they twist, they go with the wind, they allow the wind to push them down, but they don't break. Mm-hmm. They bend, but they don't break. Absolutely. And guess what? even with all of the rain and everything, after the storm, they'll come back up mm-hmm. and their roots have grabbed even deeper. Yes. So now they remain flexible, but just as strong mm-hmm. and they're ready for the next crisis. That's what we want people to understand from flexibility, that that's what it means. It doesn't mean changing my opinion about things. It's about understanding that now as I lead my team, my workforce, I can tell them, you know what? I don't care if you work at 10 o'clock at night because you had to spend the time putting the kids to bed and now that's your free time to work. I, I, I'm I, going to evaluate you based on your productivity, not on how many hours you spent at the computer or if it was between the hours of 8.30 and 5. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm going to judge you on. I'm going to judge you on, did you get things done? Right. So it's important for us to understand that and adapt and flex. And in many ways, we're asking leaders to almost think in two very conflicting ways, Berta. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a growth mindset that we're expecting them to do, to, to basically grasp onto concepts that are almost contradictory, almost opposite, and bring them together and synthesize them. So for example, we say, you know what? Hey, we want you to be empathetic to your team, understand where they're coming from because they're struggling right now, mm-hmm. but you still have to be, give them tough love and set boundaries so they don't burn themselves out. We want you to know what, I want you to slow down a little bit and kind of pace yourself so you can get there faster. Or maybe, for example, I want to look at the situation and say, you know what, we're going to use all of our high tech and our technology from that, but you still need to have that human touch. So use that virtual workspace to really bring out the human side of things. These on their own face are, are very contradictory terms. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're asking people, we're asking leaders to think in those ways within that paradox to be able to become better leaders in this in this world, to become more flexible from that and lead their workforce. Because the way th- that we've done business as usual is not going to work right now.
0: No. No. And how is that message received, Coach Khan?
1: <sighs> I think after the blank stares, once the people start looking at you the first time. <laughs> But they understand the logic of it they understand it and it starts resonating with them and they start seeing this okay now i get it so i don't have to pick either or i have to find a way to make both of these things work Mm. so now we're seeing things for example like virtual teams working together and posting things rather than expecting that immediate response in an email to say guys i'm posting this in our in our shared workspace whenever you get to it whenever it's your turn to work based on your schedule post your reply, take a look at it, let me know, I will be back online at this time. So it requires an adjustment, mm. greater communication, more flexibility from people to be better uh, um, able to handle this kind of stuff. But this doesn't happen overnight. Even when now, we move into the, to the next key, the fourth key, which is preparation. And you ask me, how do we deal with things from that perspective? Mm. I look back on my history as a person. In 2001, when 9-11 happened, I was working in the travel sector. The travel industry got decimated from that. We learned a lot from that. In 2005, during Katrina, I was down in in New Orleans after the devastation, and I had the opportunity to help in a small way through my organization that we were with at the time, to build a playground, to put smiles on kids' faces again, to do something to help with that. But that taught me a lesson. In 2008, when the recession hit, I survived a few more years within my organization. But at some point, I was let go through no fault of my own. We have so many millions of people now that have lost their job. But it's, what that taught me is that I have a lot to offer and that I just had to pivot, adapt, be flexible from this and find a new way of doing it. That year in 2012, when I started my company, I didn't know that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. What I was looking for was my next job. And what ended up happening to me was nobody was willing to pay me for my expertise, and they were afraid that I wouldn't stay for the lesser money. Mm-hmm. And that's somewhere I lost my mother.
0: Oh my gosh, and that sorry brought
1: me. me even down further. But it also was a great awakening for me. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that, you know what? Well, it doesn't get much worse than that. So the only way is up. I changed my attitude about things, and I embraced that. And I looked it back in my past and I said, how has my past prepared me for that? So I started taking steps. And all it took was one person to say yes. And they became my first client. And I decided that, you know what, I'm going to go out. And since I've been an in-house consultant for large Fortune 500 corporations Mm -hmm. for a number of years, I've learned a lot of the tricks. I have knowledge that I can help now small and mid-sized businesses with the expertise of somebody that's worked at an elite level. To bring all of those tools to them at a much more reasonable price, so that built my business from there. And now I'm able to go out and help others, and offer a boutique services that that help them with their change management efforts, with their performance efforts. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now I I can be of service to others, the people that need me, and still take care of my family from that piece and have a, have my own my fulfill my own mission. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the two most important days in somebody's life is the day you come into this world and the day you realize why. Yes. And I knew always I that. that from my perspective, I love to learn. And that's why I love to teach. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, I love working with people, especially young people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love certain topics like soccer. That's part yes. of the reason why I teach <laughs> kids soccer. And I'm able to teach them life skills from that. Yes. And that's where my whole, the whole Coach con. Concept mm-hmm. started from because when I'm not coaching executives, I'm coaching these young kids and hopefully the leaders of tomorrow.
0: Right, absolutely. That
1: piece. absolutely. So we are prepared when we take the time to look back on our history, Berta. This isn't the first crisis that we've dealt with, mm-hmm. so we need to look back and reflect. And if we take notes and we keep track of what's happening right now, how we're feeling, what worked, what didn't work, that will help us prepare for the next crisis. I tell my clients now, whether they're individuals or organizations. Are you noting what's working, what's not working? Are you updating your business continuity plan, your risk assessment plan, all of those things now in real time? And as they go through this, they're becoming better. They're turning, for many of my clients, for example, that have been able to overcome or have found innovative ways to deal with the, with the situation right now, that's becoming their competitive advantage because they're separating themselves from their competition that can't cope with that. Wow. So this is helping them get ahead. And speaking of getting ahead, the next key beyond that is take action. So now we're dealing with key five and we talk about take action. There is nothing more empowering in the middle of a storm or a crisis than to be able to control one little thing, to take action that you can reclaim some sense of sanity and control over things. That is a very empowering feeling for people that are in the midst of change. So what can I control first and foremost? My attitude. And that becomes the next key of positive attitude from that. I can control that. Mm -hmm. I can make some changes. Can I look around the situation? One of the techniques we talk about in the book was introduced to me from my wife. My wife in the past has dealt with many times with dealing with anxiety and stress. So one of the things that her father, a physician, had told her is that basically here's the rule of five that you need to follow. When you feel overwhelmed, when you're hyperventilating, when you're emotionally dysregulated, think about five things that you can see and identify them. Think about four things that you can hear, three things that you can taste or touch, and so on and so forth until you bring yourself down to one. And then from that perspective, you have brought your mind from one side, which is the overly stimulated emotional side of your brain to the practical sensory side of you. And it helps you bring back to the regulation. You become reconnected with the physical world And you're away from that overwhelming emotional feeling. Simple techniques like that, that can help somebody in a moment of crisis.
0: Amazing. Wow.
1: So you talk yourself off that ledge. And now all of a sudden you feel like you're back in control a little bit. Mm -hmm. So take action. Assess what's happening around you. People think that the whole world is upside down. And for many of us, it feels that way. But not everything has changed. I still have my family here. I still look at all that stuff. My daughter still gets up every hour and says, Dad, it's walk o'clock. And she (laughs) claps her hands and starts walking around the house because she has to get her steps in for according to to her little Fitbit. Right. So these are some of the things we still have our loved ones around us. Mm -hmm. Let's not lose sight of what's not changing. Right. We have so many blessings. Not everything has changed. Many things are still here. At the end of the day, let's allow the things that we don't want in our lives to wash away keep the good things as we move forward into the next normal. And that's part of having a positive attitude. That's that sixth key. Mm -hmm. Because my mindset will determine how I respond to change. It has a chemical reaction in my body. It allows me to stay alert, to stay open, to use stress in a good way, and to stimulate my senses to be able to react appropriately to what I need to do in a very quick way. But if I allow it to overwhelm myself, then I get down on myself. Then I become that victim, that critic, that bystander. A navigator keeps that balance. When you look at elite athletes, they use the stress of competition in a very effective way. Mm -hmm. They warm up and prepare before the fight, before the race, before whatever it is that they need to do, but they don't allow themselves to get overly stressed because that's when they choke. Mm -hmm. So they use a healthy balance, that sweet spot of the little bit of stress to keep you going. Just enough adrenaline to keep you focused and positive without overwhelming it. And that positive attitude really will determine how you view the situation, because my perception is my reality. If I think that my world is ending, that's exactly how my mind will respond and it will prepare for that. Mm -hmm. If I think that, you know what, this is temporary. This is momentary. This is for now and tomorrow will be a better day. My body and my mind will respond differently again. And then ultimately, we get to the seventh key, which is your favorite key, Bertha. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) And that's
1: the key of kindness. Mm -hmm. And it essentially brings us full circle. We started off with self-care, being kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And now we progress and graduate to the point where we can start being kind to others because we have filled our batteries and we are standing on firm ground. We have built the resilience and hope that we need to reach out and help others. Because I can guarantee you. No matter how bad you think your situation is, there's always somebody out there that's worse.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that's part of what we need to do. Even the little things. Can I help if I'm going to the store? Can I pick up something from my elder elderly neighbor that mm-hmm. doesn't need to go to the store and get into risk? Right. Can I help pick up something from here? Can I make a phone call to a dear friend? Bertha, how are you doing today? Mm -hmm. I had this premonition. I hadn't spoken to you in a while. And you know what? I wanted to check in and tell you that I love you and I want you to be good. Are you okay? How are you doing? Those little things that we can reach out to somebody and say, hey, I care about you. I love Mm -hmm. you to a family member, to a friend. Mm -hmm. That's the kindness. It doesn't have to be huge. Right. Even the littlest gesture of kindness can go a long way because when we give in the same moment, in the same breath we receive, Because every time you give something, even a smile, you get two back in return.
0: Absolutely, and
1: that's what we always need to remember because we benefit as givers at least as much as the person receiving.
0: It. Right, right. If if not more, but I I love that Coach Khan, because I think one of the one of the biggest things is that we forget, and you just said it. It's not that it has to be something grandiose to us. It's no. a little gesture, a call, a, a a listen. I'm gonna. I bought you these. You know, my I have an aunt who lives by herself, and and she's at that age where you don't want her even though she drives everywhere but you know you she, she shouldn't be and and yeah. sometimes we'll just go and leave a box of pastries cuban pastries because mm-hmm. that's what she loves and right. and I just I won't even go in I'll call her from the car and say hey just open your door there's something at your door and she'll be like right. Did you just come here or whatever you know and they and and <laughs> it's nothing right it costs nothing right. it was you know whether it was out of my way or not but to her it is something that she is going to just be filled with for days and days and days and i don't mean filled with physically food but i mean it's just something and then my other aunt will call and say hey so and so called me and said that you went by and you know and then they start playing on each other but it's it's the littlest things for us that we think it's a little thing and it's something so and it doesn't cost us anything. Correct. On it's,
1: it's, it's a little bit. In many ways, we have the opportunity to be more connected now. And I feel more connected and blessed than I have in a long time. Absolutely. I'm reaching out to family, to friends that I haven't talked to in a long time. And just asking the simple question, how are you doing? Absolutely. I miss you. Absolutely. Just because we are the term social distancing it doesn't do it fair. No. Social no. distancing leads to loneliness. Mm-hmm. What we are is physically distancing mm-hmm. because we want to protect each other. Right. It doesn't mean that we have to be emotionally or otherwise apart. Mm-hmm. We can still reach out. You don't have to be lonely. We don't have to be lonely. We can reach out to each other because you know what? You can feel lonely even in a room full of people.
0: Oh yes, absolutely.
1: We might your aunt might be alone in the house, but she doesn't have to be lonely.
0: Exactly. 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 I yeah. say that all the time. Alone but not lonely. And sometimes like there you're you right. Go. You're you're just surrounded by people and it's just not the right people or not the right situation. And you feel like like you're totally lonely. So I love that. Coach Khan, how can our audience find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Because folks, now you know you need to connect with Coach Khan.
1: Well, beyond the information or if you look up the seven keys to navigating a crisis, mm-hmm. uh, it's available out there. But the easiest way to get a hold of me is either to uh, through LinkedIn mm-hmm. under Coach Khan. They can find me there. And please reach out, connect with me if we're not connected already. Send me a note. I would love to hear from you. Um, I see folks out there are just simply friends that I haven't met yet. And I look forward to yes. meeting them or they it. can go to my website. We're going through a rebuild and a rebranding right now, www.freshbizsolutions.com. So all of those are options to be able to reach to me and get a hold of me.
0: I love it. I love it. Coach Khan, I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am for your time. I know you've probably got to run because you have a, a whole team waiting for you, but I, 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 can't even express how grateful I am again for your time, for your friendship, for your, your, your willingness to always share and, and be such a source of light for all of us, uh, from a place of service, from a place of total, uh, generosity, which is, you know, our kind of people. And, and I thank you for that. So one last thing before you go, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, the best piece of advice that I've ever received. It's probably uh, a saying that I inherited that luck is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. And that's one of those things that we always need to keep in mind. People that we consider to be very lucky are nothing more than people that have worked very, very hard. And when the opportunity is there, they're able to, to see it, to recognize it and do something about it. So I wish our audience and all of our dear listeners out there good luck. So be prepared and the opportunity will
0: come. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, folks. Uh, you heard it here. Pick up, if you don't have it already, Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis. I promise it will change your world and, and it, will, it will just be a total blessing for you for now and, and for everything for the future. So um, trust me. Trust me on this, guys. Um, Coach Khan, thank you. Thank you again and remember folks go out there and do good be great and go play outside thank you coach khan
1: thank you berta thank you to your audience